You know, some really great programming by ESPN the last few weeks. The Last Dance, the story about the Bulls' run in 98 was so, so good. I've watched it twice. Lance, the story of Lance Armstrong was... He was such an unlikable guy, but the show was so good. There's a great line at the end of the show that says, was he a good guy who did bad things or a bad guy who did good things? I highly recommend it. And ESPN is knocking it out of the park this Sunday. Yes, pun intended. Long gone summer. The story of the 1998 home run race between Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. On the phone with us is the guy who sat and talked with both of them. It is director A.J. Schnock. Thanks for joining us. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Man, I moved to Chicago in the spring of 98, A.J., and I remember how it all started with Harry Carey passing away, the Bulls making a run, Carey Woods, 20-strikeout game in early May. Then June hits, the Bulls win the championship, and Sosa hits 20 home runs that month. This energy in the city was off the charts, and you nailed it in this show. Oh, thanks so much. Yeah, no, uh, I can't imagine a more exciting time uh, to be in Chicago than uh, that that June and in the months that followed. I mean, just an incredible thing to have this dynasty in basketball uh, you know, hitting its, its its final huge season, its last dance, uh, pun intended. Um, and then uh, you know to have Sosa do what he was doing, and for the Cubs, who had been so bad in '97, at least to start the season. Uh, to have the Cubs uh, making their run for the playoffs. Uh, you know, just a, a great time to be a Chicago sports fan, I, I'd guess. Man, I forgot a few things, and I'm glad, of course, we have these shows to remind us. I forgot that Ken Griffey Jr. had 56 home runs in 97, and McGuire had 58 in 97. The 1998 home run race was supposed to be between Jr. and Big Mac. Yeah, and really people were talking about it in spring training, which, you know, a lot of times in the past when – you know, someone would get close to, you know, being on, on par with Maris or with Ruth, you know, th- th- those conversations don't really start until around the all-star game. But, but this, this time it was, uh, you know, in spring training, there was an expectation that either Mark or uh, Junior were going to challenge this record and, and probably beat it. You know, there were some good reasons. It was an expansion year. Uh, so the pitching talent was down a little bit. Uh, for Mark, uh, Bush Stadium had been reconfigured a couple of years previously, so it was a little bit more friendly to hitters. But yeah, everyone went into that season thinking one of these two guys was going to do it, and uh, nobody was really thinking about Sammy Sosa. Well, the end of June, McGuire had 37 homers, and Sammy had 33, and this is where Sammy emerges in the race. And you finally bring Sammy into the show 20 minutes in. Yeah, I mean, I, I told Sammy when I met him that that's what I wanted to do, because I it sort of... that. To me, I wanted the, the, the movie to sort of reflect what it felt like at the time, you know, where you're, you're thinking you're seeing one story and then all of a sudden out of nowhere comes, uh, comes this uh, incredible character. Um, you know, he, I, I told Sammy, you know, you're our best supporting actor in, in this storyline because you just come out, of, you come out of nowhere to most people. Now, of course, Chicago fans were very aware of, of Sammy Sosa and he had a, a great record um, with the Cubs before 98, but, you know, to most of America, it was, who's this guy? And, and, and wait, what he's, he's in this race now. Like we, that was not anticipated. Right. We're talking with director AJ Schnock, uh, long gone summer premieres Sunday night, eight o'clock on ESPN. I loved it at the time. I lived it. And I'm watching the doc and I feel I, I loved every minute of it, but 
I was a little angry because I feel cheated because they cheated. And Mark, of course, admitted it. What was it? Four or five years ago. And Sammy, not so much. Yeah. I mean, one of our goals with the film was, you know, to, to, to first take it out of the haze of the steroid era um, before we have to go back to reality. I mean, you know, the, the, the chance to show people either who have forgotten or weren't alive at the time, just what a huge moment this was, not just in baseball, but culturally for the entire country, uh, the, the way, you know, these exploits were the talk of, I mean, you know, everyone, it wasn't just, you know, on SportsCenter, you know, Nightline's doing, you know, right. nightly yeah. updates. So I think that that was, that was one of the main goals is to, you know, obviously we're, we're not pretending that we don't know what, what we know, but can we put us back there in a second and, and really feel what that emotion and excitement felt like? And then once we do that, you know, then we can unpack all the stuff that we, we know we know now. I think, we, you know, we really start trying to do that again in real time when um, the Andro is found in, in Mark's locker. We spend right. a, a good amount of time talking about supplement use, the gym culture that had sort of come into Major League Baseball, how players were suddenly looking to build their muscle mass as opposed to seeing these sleek, skinny athletes we were see- had used to seeing in the 80s. But yeah, I, di- I didn't want to give us too much credit as viewers for knowing things that we didn't know or we didn't notice in, in 1998. Long Gone Summer premieres Sunday night at 8 o'clock on ESPN. It's interesting when you look back how uncomfortable McGuire was in front of the microphone. And as you're interviewing him in present time, he's still that way. It's very, it's very uncomfortable talking to Mark McGuire. Did it feel that way? He's not as he's definitely not as comfortable, you know, being the center of attention, you know, and uh, right. I, I you know, certainly different than Sammy was then. And even when we sat with him now, I, I think it's an odd thing for him. I don't know if it's a, just a general shyness or, or just how he's how he's built, but uh, it's, it's not in his nature to to want to to go on at length. So I, I felt, you know, quite, you know, pleased that he was willing to do it, even if it's not his favorite thing to do. We're talking with director A.J. Schnock, Long Gone Summer, Sunday night, 8 o'clock on uh, ESPN. Mark McGuire, so many magical moments in this guy's life. His first at bat as a kid was a home run. He hit number 62 in the bottom of the fourth, like Roger Maris did. He hit number 61 on his father's 61st birthday. I mean, there were so yeah, many. one on his father's 61st birthday, yeah. It's crazy the magical moments in McGuire's life. Yeah, I mean, that's part of what made the season feel so magical. Um, you know, he hits the 62 in the bottom of the fourth, same inning as Maris. I think he is, uh, you know, there's this, the number of years. Uh, and there's, there were a lot of uh, kind of numerical uh, things that lined up that season that when you look at them all, it, it, it does feel, you know, magical or, or a little spooky even. Right. Um, but, but that's kind of what made it, uh, made it feel so special. I mean, one of the things we hope that came through in the, in the film, you know, especially because, you know, Mark has admitted using steroids, you know, during, you know, 98, he's gotten some criticism for, for saying that he, he believes he could have hit 62 without them that year. You know, we wanted to make sure that people knew that, you know, Mark hit uh, 49 as a rookie, that he held that rookie record for 30 years. Right. Um, I don't I don't think there's anyone who alleges or thinks that Mark was doing anything in that season to boost uh, his performance. Um, you know, he held the record at USC for a number of years. I mean, he is 
he is a natural home run hitter. He's not lying when he says he was born to hit home runs. Right. Uh, and that's uh, that's been pretty much his whole life. I love hearing Chip Carey's home run calls. Chip is on with us tomorrow. George Will is on with us tomorrow. You have both of those guys in the dock. Did you learn anything from Chip or uh, George Will? You know, he really helped do one of the things that was important to me because the way I, I related to that season was in the ways in which it just underlined the generational aspect of baseball, how the how fandom is passed down um, from parents to children. Right. In this story, you know, you had the Maris family there. You had Mark with his son. You had Jack Buck and Joe Buck in the broadcast booth, and you had Chip Carey carrying on the legacy of his grandfather the same year he was supposed to be paired with his grandfather in right. the broadcast booth. Right. Um, I mean, the, the generational aspect of that year, um, that's everything I feel about baseball. You know, I grew up a, with my dad saying, hey, let's get in the station wagon and drive around and listen to Jack and Mike <laughs> Shannon on the radio. You know, I, uh, my grandfather was out in Aurora and we'd all gather around the barbecue grill and he was a Cubs fan and we were Cardinals fans. And right. we, we hashed it out. It's that generational family aspect. That's why that season meant so much to me at the time reconnecting me with, you know, my memories of, of my father and my grandfather and uh, all the reasons I love baseball. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Edwardsville, right outside St. Louis. Okay. Um, so, uh, you know, Cardinal fan from birth, but uh, a lot of relatives in the Chicago area um, and a lot of, a lot of Cub fan in, in, in that group. I grew up in uh, Peoria, which is half Cubs, half Cardinals. My father was a Cub fan. My mother was a Cardinal fan. So in the afternoons, we would have the Cub games on with Jack Brickhouse. And at night, while we were eating dinner, I would hear... Jack Buck every single night talking about the players. And that's when I started getting into, you know, jersey numbers because he would talk about their numbers on their jerseys and just the way that he spoke. I can just still hear his voice in my head to this day. It was it was pretty magical seeing him in the special. Well, that was one of the things I really wanted to do. I mean, I so much of everything I, I remember about baseball as a kid is hearing Jack Buck and Mike Shannon make those calls and describe the game to me. Right. And uh, one thing I said to ESPN from the beginning was I really want to, I want to talk about Harry. You know, I want to talk about Jack Buck. You know, I want them to be figures in this film. I want it to be about how people fell in love with, you know, watching the teams on WGN, you know, listening to the teams play on KMOX. Right. That was a, that was a big deal to me. And, and it was thrilling to me too. It's, you know, to, to hear their voices uh, as, uh, as, you know, as loudly and as uh, <laughs> uh, hitting me in, in, with all the emotion uh, today as, as they did back then. I can't wait for people to see this. Just brings us right back to 98. And I got to ask you, I knew it wasn't going to happen. You sat down with Sammy and you said, listen, you haven't been invited back to Wrigley Field. The Cubs haven't invited you back. Why do you think? And I know he wasn't going to admit that he used any PEDs. I know that wasn't going to happen. But he really didn't have an answer. Yeah, I mean, I do think he says something that I haven't heard him say before in terms of, which I, I think it gets to the point of he's getting tired of being asked. <laughs> um, and, and just the, the fact that he knows that people think he's done this when he believes that he has said clearly in front of Congress that I didn't. You know, I think, I think that's where he's at right now. He, he, he believes um, 
you know, that he's being disrespected by by just the implication. And, you know, whether you believe that he did or didn't, you know, obviously it's different with Mark, who had, who admitted it. And, and with Mark, before he admitted it, there were, you know, a number of investigative news reports. Uh, there were people who said that they witnessed him doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have that with Sammy. We have a, an anonymous survey test that the New York Times reported, and that's it. So it's a little bit more challenging. We don't know for sure. We have our, our expectations from how he looked and what he was capable of doing. Right. Um, but it's, it's, you know, we don't know. <laughs> we, we don't know, but this is how my brain works. We all want a happy ending, right? So we, this documentary airs on Sunday night, the 30 for 30. He starts the dialogue with the Cubs. Maybe the Cubs and Sosa work out some talking points. He comes clean and he's invited back to Wrigley. Everybody forgets about it. I mean, what would be better than, you know, to, to find out in the next you know month or so, like, hey, when, when baseball is going to come back to Wrigley, Sammy Sosa is going to come yes! back also. To me, it seems like a perfect thing to have happen. I would love to see that happen. Mm-hmm. I think it would be great for the organization and great for Sammy, obviously, and, and for fans in Chicago. Look, the era, the steroid era, you know, it's, we're never going to fully get a full grasping of everyone who did or didn't. Right. You know, hopefully we can come to terms with it where it's not just the, the weight being put on a, just a, a few players. And one last thing, it's interesting in this time of social unrest, when you look back in 1998, you had two guys of different skin color and race that brought the country together. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to say about how it made people feel like baseball was reflecting the best of what America could be. Right. Here are these two guys from very different backgrounds, very different races. It, it, was, uh, it made a lot of people feel really good. Uh, about baseball in ways that you can't even measure with attendance figures or ratings. It was a way that uh, people thought baseball was the American pastime again. Right. Man, I have so many mixed emotions. I loved watching it, but I felt a little cheated because they cheated. But I highly recommend Long Gone Summer, Sunday night at 8 o'clock, director A.J. Schnock. Thank you for joining us, and uh, nice job. Thank you. No, thanks so much. I appreciate it. We'll talk again soon. Take care. Thank you. I really appreciate it. This is his last at bat of 1998. Take a good long look. This is going to have to last you until next March in Florida. First and third, two out. 